Namaste crack comrades. Welcome back to Sam and Casey's Movie Club. I'm Casey. And I'm Sam. And what are we talking about this episode? So this episode we're talking about um, Dr. Jekyll and Sister Hyde, which is a movie from the 1970, 1971, I guess. So this is a Sam recommendation. Um, why did you want to talk about this movie? Um, so this is a hammer horror movie and I like hammer horror movies. And also I just think this movie itself is, is wild and it's fun to talk about. (laughs) And I wanted, yeah, I just wanted somebody else to watch it. (laughs) (laughs) Mm, Yeah. What was your first reaction before we actually say anything about it? Um, I thought it was, it was pretty wild, but I think, like, near the end, I was, like, kind of bored. I was like, okay, I get it. (laughs) (laughs) I get what's happening, but um, I enjoyed it. I have a question. Yes. The original Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde, is that a book, or is it, like, a folk tale? (laughs) (laughs) It is a book. It's a novella. Okay. Yes. And it's about werewolves, originally. It is not about werewolves. What is it about? <laughs> it's this, <laughs> but without the gender bending. But, like, so it's just two different guys? Yeah, so it's, like, there's this dude called oh. Dr. Jekyll. So I haven't reread the story to, like, I, I probably should have, but so he's, like, a scientist. He's doing experiments. I don't believe he, that he's looking to extend life in that version. Correct me if I'm wrong. I think he's like exploring the mind or something. Uh, mm. And then he makes this. He makes this thing. It's basically like to do with the unconscious or subconscious mind, whatever. Yeah, the subconscious mind and like these different parts of ourselves that we repress. And so. <laughs> instead of becoming a woman he becomes this other this guy but he's like an evil guy who goes around being evil right i genuinely thought the original book was about werewolves because that's like the most common interpretation that i've seen i think there's definitely a a connection thematically i guess and people have definitely drawn comparisons but no it's not explicitly about werewolves okay it's yeah. kind of boring. But. Although, yeah, if en- if anything, like, I, th- I believe the original one and, like, some of the original movie adaptations seem to have Hyde as an ape-like figure rather than wolf-like one. Interesting. Yes. Um, okay, but what about Dr. Jekyll and Sister Hyde? So, okay, let me just give a brief, like, thingy. So, yes, as you mentioned, it is from 1970. One and it is a Hammer horror movie from the Hammer like production company. It is directed by directed by Ward Ward Baker, and it features uh, Ralph Bates as Doctor Jekyll and Martin Beswick as Sister or Mrs Hyde. What is it about? Well, it is about this guy Doctor Jekyll who decides he's a. He's a like scientist and he decides that he wants to cure like all the diseases, every disease. Um, and so he's working on one of them and he talks to his friend about his dream of like curing everything. His friend, what's his name? Professor Robertson, um, I think. Mm, 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 mm. Yes, that is correct. Robertson? Cool. Yep. 
So he's talking to his friend, Professor Robertson, and he's like, I want to cure all the diseases. And Robertson's like, you're going to die before that happens. And so he decides that he's going to try and extend his life because he wants to have enough time to like do all the things that he dreams of doing. Um, so he makes this elixir from female hormones that he gets from the cadavers of murdered women. I think, um, yeah, we're slightly skipping over his logic in this. Would you like to yes, go into that? His logic, his logic was that because women don't experience male pattern baldness. And have smooth skin. And have smooth skin and don't experience male pattern baldness. That means that they're better at, just better at living, I guess. So he decides that he needs to make an elixir from female hormones um, and use that to extend his own life because listeners as you know women are famously immortal (laughs) yes um so yeah he gets the these hormones from uh the cadavers of women i have a question why was he going because in the synopsis it says that he and he gets the the bodies from Burke and Hare, which are two murderers. But before that, he was like going to the morgue. Mm-hmm. So like, what was he doing there? Well, was he getting bodies from there first, and then he was like, "Hey, murderers, yes. help!" Okay. So from what I remember, well, originally he wasn't necessarily looking for the hormonal glands or anything. I think it was just general medical experimentations, and all doctors needed corpses for that back in the day. I guess they still do, but yeah, yeah. they still do. But they acquired them in slightly different ways, um, <laughs> slightly. slightly. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then. Yeah, I guess then he became more focused on finding, like, the right kind of corpse, like this beautiful young woman, blah, 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 and maybe there was less of a supply of that, because most of the corpses he'd be getting would be people who were, like, executed, right? And beautiful young women, I guess, were less likely to commit crimes yeah, and be executed. Yeah, he said he needed the bodies of women, like, under 20, mm. so they were in short supply, so he yeah. got these murderers to like round up some wound for him although at first <laughs> so if you know anything about Burke and Hare you will know that they weren't like hey we are murderers they were like here's a corpse that we found uh so at first yeah they were just grave robbers they weren't like full-blown murderers I feel like this is casting a bad light on these well th- they were eventually full-blown murderers but anyway <laughs> Likewise, in the film, Dr. Jekyll does not request that they murder someone. He's just like, I need a body. And they're like, here it is. And he's like, where'd it come from? And they're like, don't worry about it. Mm-hmm. So, yes, he he first tries out this elixir on um, a fly. And um, it seems to work. He, like, falls asleep for three days. And then he wakes up and the fly is still there. And uh and he shows his friend Professor Robertson, and um, Robertson points out that the fly has laid eggs. And Dr. Jekyll's like, What are you talking about? This is a male fly. So. And I have a question here. Would it not yes. need someone to fertilize the eggs? Um, I don't know. Probably. 
but maybe some flies reproduce asexually. Okay. I wouldn't know about that. Fly biologists, let us know. <laughs> you let us know. That's actually very interesting. I might look it up after. But yeah, so this elixir has turned this fly from a male fly into a female fly. It has um, given it a magic sex change. But it still did prolong its life. So he's like, hey, I'm getting somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> and... um. It doesn't seem to occur to him that the same thing... Oh, well, I guess he's not 100% sure that that is what happened, that there was a magic sex change. He's still open to the possibility that he was wrong and that it was yeah. actually a, a female fly. So that's why he's not like, hmm, will this turn me into a woman? <laughs> yeah. So next he decides that he's going to take the elixir himself because I guess he decides that that's enough experimentation. Let's get it into <laughs> some real people. <laughs> so he takes the elixir and it turns him into a beautiful but evil woman. Um, and and I love how her hair gets longer. It's so and good. And then shorter again when she turns <laughs> back. I love that. Actually, the transformations are like, I feel like they did a really good job, especially for the 70s. I mean, I feel like I expected it to be more like clunky, but it looked nice. So good job with the people <laughs> who worked on this movie. Um, but yeah, um, so she turns in, he turns into this beautiful woman. And I want to like make note, if you haven't seen this movie, these are like two different people. It's not like a body swap thing. These are like two separate beings with different personalities and stuff allegedly so. we'll get into the <laughs> psychoanalysis later i think they're trying to convince us that these are two different people because like they don't have like each other's memories or anything like when one of them is out the other one doesn't like ex remember what yeah at least at first on. yeah right so Dr. Jekyll has these neighbors, upstairs neighbors. Um, there's Susan, Howard, and their mother. And Susan has been, like, since they moved in, Susan has been in love with him. Um, but he, they weren't together because he was, like, a tortured artist and obsessed with his work. So he didn't want to, like, date her or anything. Um, but when when the woman shows up um her brother howard sees her by accident and um he tells susan and susan's like jealous because everyone's like oh my gosh dr jekyll's sleeping with this beautiful woman so susan goes down to confront him um about this girl and he decides to lie and say it's his sister um and names her mrs hyde after hyde park because he was holding a newspaper that had a story about really hyde park on i it. find it so funny when people do that when they just <laughs> look at something and they're like yeah her name is cop like you couldn't think of any just a random like mrs smith like a common name but yeah he uh, names her mrs so hyde i just wanted to mention i think it's interesting that he decided to be a widow because mm -hmm. I feel like, like even though at this point he is Dr. Jekyll, he's not acting on her behalf. I feel like there's maybe part of her subconsciously active in this decision because being a widow has certain benefits, maybe. 
like uh it comes with a certain level of independence because you like did belong to a man and now you don't yeah yeah you've already done the whole like yeah marriage thing so you're not it's not like you're not like a failure like it's an accident like your husband died it's not your fault and i also freedom yeah i also feel like it's it's like already it's basically he's basically announcing she's not a virgin so like there's a a sense of sexual freedom that possibly comes with not being a virgin already Mm -hmm. because virginity is what's like puts all the other women that he's hunting in danger that's like what makes them uh desirable Mm. which is bad because he's killing (laughs) them interesting um so yes sister Hyde shows up and Susan is like okay that's fine um you're not cheating on me even though we're not together so I don't know why she was fucking upset in the first place (laughs) Um, yeah, so he finds that the serum needs a regular supply of hormones, so he needs to keep, uh, like, Brick and Hare get busted, so they're, like, out of the picture now, so he can't, they can't, um, kill people for him, so he has to start killing people to get his hormone supply, um, and, and this he, is where it switches into being about Jack the Killer, even though that happened in a different city and at a different time. <laughs> Don't worry about it. Yeah, he's he is Jack the Ripper. That's like that like that story is Dr. Jekyll. Um, and so he's killing people and uh, Sister Hyde finds out that she loves killing people. She's like super into it. Um, and um, for some reason, oh yes, their friend Professor Roberts starts to suspect Dr. Jekyll um, because these murders are happening like around him and so he goes to confront Dr. Jekyll um, or yeah, he like goes to confront him but he sees Sister Hyde and so she like seduces him and then kills him. It's all very sexy and like murdery. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, he's out of the picture and they, their two personalities are like struggling for dominance, um, because she wants to be like a full person and he like doesn't want to keep killing people. He's like upset about it for some reason, even though it's, it was his, like he he started it. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) it was his idea, but Um, he like doesn't want to do it anymore. I'm not, I'm not convinced of that actually. I'm I'm not sure if that's true. I feel like he just wants to be in control of himself and like he wants to be a man. That's fair. Yeah. Yeah. Mm want to be a man I don't know about that well like not really but like he's telling <laughs> himself like I'm a man <laughs> right he's like yeah he's trying to maintain his own identity and he has this like other being trying to take over so he's not having a good time um then what happens oh there's like yeah go on I was gonna talk about the date with Susan Susan mm-hmm. asks him out to the opera um and he agrees um, but then uh, he like accidentally picks up one of Sister Hyde's dresses, and I think this is when they realize like they don't need the serum to like switch between them anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and Sister Hyde has also decided that, like, to completely take over, she needs Susan's, like, young blood, so she's out to get her. Um, Is that what was going on? I feel like it was more, the way I perceived it was that they were, so both Mrs. Hyde and Dr. Jekyll are supposedly heterosexual, so they have, like, (laughs) she's into Howard, and he's allegedly into Susan. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, and I feel like what was going on was that Susan was a threat to her because she represented his heterosexuality and his manhood. Mm-hmm. So she decides that Susan has to go. Um, and because Dr. Jekyll has stood uh, Susan up to this opera date, she decides to go by herself and she's walking out and on this day it happens to be like a really foggy night so she can't like see anything um so sister Hyde is like stalking her in the alleyways and she's about to stab uh Susan when um Dr. Jekyll like takes over just her hand and stops her from actually going through with the murder um and so yeah they like fight about it or whatever <laughs> and then so the police are on to them uh and so they're being chased uh da, 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 yeah and before the police get to them like dr jekyll like he does one last murder after the whole susan situation and no. i'm not sure why i don't remember this who does he murder it's the murder from the beginning like the opening murder and then they go back to it after the Susan opera thing, I think. I, I do not remember this. Yeah, I think it's like he decides like to stabilize the serum or whatever to finish his experimentation. He needs like to kill one more person. I don't know. But there's another murder after the opera situation. And it's uh, they're interrupted by the police. And they're like onto them. Or, yeah, the police are onto him and they're chasing him. And he, like, steps out. Um, he climbs out a window and is, like, climbing oh, wait, 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 wait. the building ledge. Before that happens, he writes his testament because the novella, the whole thing is kind of, like, looking back on all of this as though that has already happened. And they found, like, Dr. Jekyll dead with, like, this testament. Like, oh, this is what happened, blah, blah, blah. So the, uh, before he runs away from the police, he's writing down, like, everything that happened to him with his experiment. Um, yeah, so they chase him out a window, and he's climbing around a building. He's, like, on a ledge, and he's holding on to the gutters. Um, and while he's, like, uh, trying to get away, um, Miss Mrs. Hyde, like, starts to come out, and they're, like uh begins the transformation and for some reason during it uh he like lets go of the gutter and they fall according um, to, to according to some some synopsis i read on imdb or something it's because her weak feminine hands could not hang on to it <laughs> which i read that too which doesn't make any sense because her whole body the like whole body is changing so she also like would weigh less so that doesn't make any sense. I don't know. But yeah, so 
she lets go of the gutter and they fall to their death. This isn't my quote, but they die in a twisted amalgamation of both male and female. What is this quote from? The movie. Would you like I don't to know. cite your Wikipedia. sources? Wikipedia. <laughs> okay. So, yeah. Whoever wrote that, don't sue us. <laughs> yes. Okay. So, let me tell you, here's the structure that I have. So, da 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 so maybe give me your initial reaction and then we'll go into, I'll tell you a little bit about some readings I've done about the original novella and kind of tracing the origins of Sister Hyde or of the story as a like transgressive gender story. And mm -hmm. then maybe after that, we can talk a bit about Burke and Hare and Jack the Ripper. And then we can go on to how this movie is bad, how this movie is good <laughs> and our final verdict. Okay. So, um, um, well, initial thoughts. I had fun. I love science fiction. I love um, potions. <laughs> All really good things. I love I mean, transformations. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Estrogen like exists. It isn't a magic potion. <laughs> well, he made a potion. <laughs> okay. Wow. Uh, okay, anything else? Yeah, I was saying he made a potion because, like, one of the things he says when he was talking about it is, like, talking about, like, extending life. He was like, oh, all these other people have tried to do it with, with, like, magic and rituals, but I have science. And I'm like, science is just making potions, but okay. <laughs> <laughs> like, sure. <laughs> so true, yes. Uh, yeah. Okay, a couple of initial thoughts I have. Um... I thought there was some cool shots in which you can see like the the change between Dr. Jekyll and Mrs. Hyde. There's one where they're looking into a fractured mirror and the, mm. their face is changing and it's like, wow, it's so deep. It represents their <laughs> fractured self. Yeah. Whoa. Um, and then there's another one during like the chase when they're hanging off of the thing and you can see their face again changing through this distorted tainted glass thing a glass mm -hmm. window also pretty cool um i did think it was interesting that we don't directly see the transformation happening like on the their face because that was a big thing in the other Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde movie that I've watched from either the 30s or the 40s, I can't remember. I just assumed it was because they didn't have like the technology to do that. Well, they managed it in the 30s or 40s or whichever one I'm thinking about. Uh, it's actually pretty cool. I think what they did was they had like some makeup in blue and some makeup in red and then they had like... <gasps> yeah, light it, changing, yeah. Yeah, something That's like cool. that. And so then you can see the face going from one to the other. A bit harder to do when you're making one actor into another, even though these actors do look enough alike that it works, I think. Um, mm -hmm. They probably could have. They did have some sort of proto-CGI, but maybe, maybe it's good that they didn't use that. <laughs> uh, okay, I have a question for you. His okay. friend, Mr... No, Professor Robertson. So I ha there's this phenomena that I have that I have encountered in art in which there is a character who is both a gay coded and a womanizer. I was wondering mm -hmm. if that is happening here or if I just always think posh Englishmen are gay. <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> um I think it can be both. <laughs> but um 
No, now that you mention it, yeah, he is for sure gay coded. Mm-hmm. But also, they make it clear but that also he's like womanizer. Yeah, I think womanizers are often gay coded because I feel like I don't know. Didn't someone tweet about how being too into women was suspicious? <laughs> eventually, you're gonna start sleeping with men. Yeah, but also, like, I think because sleeping with a lot of women is all already such a huge part of masculinity, to make that a character's, like, personality, you have to turn it up to such a level that they they can only do it in a way that makes that character a little bit more feminine. So they're hmm. accidentally gay-coding them because they're trying to, like, really emphasize the whole womanizer part. Interesting. There's definitely if someone wants to write about it. It's definitely something I want to look more into because it's a thing in like the movie Laura or like in All About Eve, and it's like like back in the day. It's not really popular nowadays, I don't think. But it was definitely. I think a little bit in How I Met Your Mother, but also that guy is actually gay in real life, so that could also have something to do with it. Mm, That guy. We will not. We will not speak his name. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's definitely interesting. Um, okay, so maybe let's go into some of these, the readings that I did. So one, one thing I read was by Janice, Janice Doan and Devin Hodges. It's called Demonic Disturbances of Sexual Identity, The Strange Case of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Slash Mrs. Hyde in which they argue that in the original novella, um, Mr. Hyde was actually a much more like ambiguously gendered being that has been previously suggested. So it's usually, usually in like an- analyses or adaptations of this novella, they make him hyper-masculine and they uh, kind of in contrast to Dr. Jekyll. Yeah, was it, they make him like hyper-masculine and I actually, I feel like there's probably a racialized element in some versions of it as well, but they don't go into that. Um, but then they argue that there is a bit of both going on. So he also, yeah, Hyde represents the transformative power that in Victorian times was associated with femininity and also is like a reaction to this blurring of gender roles that they thought was going on in Victorian times, mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> apparently with the new woman and women wanting to ride bicycles and use typewriters <laughs> and such masculine wow. things, uh, and yeah. men, men crying sometimes. Um, <laughs> Mr. Hyde is shown to cry and also he is short and also he is light on foot all very feminine things wow um, <laughs> um, I'm making fun of it but I did enjoy this article <laughs> and, and they're right people did think of those things and do think of those things as feminine um, then yeah they mentioned that people have seen Hyde as a hysteric in the same way women were hysteric but it, like in a masculine form of hysteria which is mm. interesting and they mentioned that even though so so the uh, the book the novella famously has like no women in, in it and it, people have noticed like how it's a story of masculinity and homosociality and whatnot um but they mention that there are some minor female characters in it who are aligned with monstrosity and deviance 
And mm. then they mention Hyde being resentful of his subordinate, subordinate station as maybe a metaphor for women, these new women in Victorian times as well. Um, and then Jekyll describes his terrors as unmanning and, and his attachment to Hyde as being, he says he's knit to him closer than a wife. Mm. Um, then they go into some like biographical stuff about your man. What's his name? Robert Louis, Robert Louis Stevenson uh, and his wife, Fanny, who apparently was this new woman who was like, oh, my husband's so weak and he's so emotional and I'm like masculine for the Victorian times. And yeah. Wow. Yes. So they read into that as well. And then, oh yeah, one thing they've mentioned is there's a focus on Hyde's hands in the, in the short in the novella uh, and, and they're described as being hairy which you could see as a masculine attribute but they also mention that in Victorian times there was a lot of focus on women's hair being like this disturbing and powerful thing so there's a, we can read a blurring of gender things going on in here as well I don't know I'm just broadly going over some of the ideas that they say to mention that there is a reading of this story in which it's a story of gender expansion gender perversion whatnot <laughs> um yeah. and I, I don't know any initial reactions to this um i don't know i feel like there's a lot you could say about it mm -hmm. especially now that we know more about gender and what it's interesting to see what people at that time were thinking about all this stuff Yes. Oh, and then they also, they say, in a recent version of Stevenson's story, Dr. Jekyll and Sister Hyde, I think this came out in the 80s, um, they, da, 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 yes, male violence merges with the feminine Sister Hyde, and the effect of this doubling is uncanny because we see masculinity develop towards its apparent opposite. Uh, they also make note that this was produced during the second wave of the feminist movement, so maybe we can also see some male anxiety towards these new, powerful, masculine women. Mm. Yes, uh, you were talking about nowadays and how we allegedly know more about gender. <laughs> I mean, know more about it or just talk about it more and have more, like, words for it, but I think it's interesting that like what you were saying just made me think of it. I think it's interesting that both Dr. Jekyll and Mrs. Hyde kill people, but for some reason she's like this evil woman and he mm. just like had to. Like it's not his fault. It's for science. He had to kill people. Definitely, yeah. Put a put a pin in that because I think we'll go into it more a bit later. There's definitely some stuff going on there, I think. Uh, okay, let me briefly talk about readings of this novella like gay readings of, of it so I read something by Elaine Showalter this is a chapter from the book Sexual Anarchy Gender and Culture at the Fin de Siècle <laughs> and the actual <laughs> chapter is called Dr. Jekyll's Closet so again there's a mention of hysteria and then quote while it was recognized in men, hysteria carried the stigma of being a humiliatingly female affliction. Um, there's also a connection to homosexuality in that time as a double life and also as something of 
like scientific interest, like new scientific interest, something that scientists were looking into, like, what is this thing called homosexuality? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and then she says that the this book can persuasively be read as a fable of fin de siècle homosexual panic, the discovery and resistance of the homosexual self, which I think you could argue. And then, yeah, I guess from that, we go to this movie in which we can see it as a trans panic. Yeah. Yeah, just a couple more things of note from this thing that I read. Yeah, in the original manuscript, and this was apparently later taken out, Stevenson talks about how Jekyll, from an early age, was a slave of certain appetites, and that Mr. Hyde was created, like, caused by this, by these appetites. And then there's a connection between, like, blackmail. Jekyll's friends think he is being blackmailed by this lower-class man. Apparently, it was it was a big thing in like Victorian times for higher class men to have relationships with lower class men. There was definitely like a class dynamic going on in a lot of gay relationships at the time. And there was this image of this like blackmailer uh, because the, okay, I'm not going to go into all of this because it's so complicated and people know way more about it than I do. But it's, so the higher class men were seen as like really gay and the, and the lower class men were seeing, were seen as just like corrupt and like they'll do whatever and so yeah and then they can exploit these really gay people who are just like victims and they 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 have no control of themselves uh, as opposed to the lower class people who are evil and are just <laughs> using this opportunity <laughs> and whatnot um, that's so interesting that the higher class men are the ones who are actually gay but they're also the ones being exploited mm-hmm. weird yeah. interesting yeah um yeah and, and apparently there's like a suggestion when when people in Jekyll's life originally hear about Mr. Hyde they they think that he's someone that he's keeping right which is fun I, I just I love the idea of having a relationship with your own double or your own <laughs> <laughs> like it's it's just very fun to me um then okay two more things There's a quote here, the mirror testifies not only to Jekyll's scandalously unmanly narcissism, narcissism, but also to the sense of the mask and the other that has made the mirror an obsessive symbol in homosexual literature. Mm-hmm. which I just think is fun and there is some mirror imagery in Sister Hyde so it's totally relevant and it's not just me talking about how gay people are narcissists again. <laughs> okay. And some final things. Uh, There's another quote here. Finally, the suicide which ends Jekyll's narrative is the only form of narrative closure thought appropriate to the gay gothic, where the protagonist's death is both martyrdom martyrdom, and retribution. Uh, which I think is definitely true for this movie. I think there's definitely no way they could have allowed Mrs. Hyde to live at that time, unfortunately. Yeah. Okay, oh, finally, she does talk about this, this movie partic- in particular, um, in which she, sa- she sees Dr. Jekyll's focus on female hormones to extend life as a typical story of men trying to find female secrets for creating life. Um, she refers to Dr. Jekyll as woman-hating, which I think is interesting because it's not explicit, but I also felt like there was something going on there. And then I guess it is explicit because he kills women but he doesn't like say that he hates them but you know 
I don't think I got that. I thought maybe I just assumed that all men of that time at least looked down on women. So I, I mean, just thought it was like, yeah. he was like rationalizing it to himself. Like, this is what I need for my science. So mm-hmm. I guess in that way, it made sense. Yeah. And then, okay, finally, this is her take on this movie. Quote, the film's mingling of themes of duality and bisexuality, science and religion is a closer reading of Stevenson's story than the more celebrated Hollywood versions. So there. Great movie. (laughs) Anyway, so my point here was to trace the origins of Sister Hyde and, yeah, to look at gender and sexuality in the original novella so Mm -hmm. now let's briefly talk about burke and hare and jack the ripper perhaps okay burke and hare they were the guys if i'm not mistaken who like started killing no they were grave robbers Mm -hmm. um and they yeah they robbed graves so they could sell them to like uh schools for doctors so because what when you like donated not donated when you <laughs> took these bodies to the schools and um places where doctors are being trained uh, you got a lot of money because they just they needed a lot of bodies to mm-hmm. study and that was kind of the only way they had to study the human body was to cut open dead people um so it was a very lucrative grave robbing was a very lucrative practice and the lawmakers kept trying to make it illegal to rob graves and like tightening the laws on that stuff so they're like you know what we'll just start killing people Mm. and then we're not grave robbing (laughs) (laughs) and also people people were very upset at the idea of their relatives being grave robbed for some reason so they would like watch out so that no one would like come to get them out or they would put like those things that you they put over the grave that looks like it's to like keep the vampires in but isn't really you know there's cages well (laughs) it can be for it can have multiple uses sure but yeah um and jack the ripper was just some serial killer who primarily uh targeted sex workers Mm -hmm. um because like I mean, we still I guess don't know who it who the actual guy was. It was just some guy who. Um, people. I think I remember somebody telling me that they had found some guy's diary in which he admitted to being Jack the Ripper. But even that, I don't know if that happened. I like, I don't believe that. People anyone, admit- yeah, anyone could have said that. I'm just yeah. like, yeah, I'm Jack. Like, it could not be. Um, yeah. So I'm not I sure. Have a tangent. I have recently been thinking about true crime and serial killers in general and I was wondering why like I'm no longer like I don't really listen to true crime podcasts or watch documentaries or anything anymore and I was wondering why and it like it's because it's mostly white people and they don't hate cops enough for me (laughs) (laughs) so that's kind of like a turn off but I was thinking I have come up with this theory that like every unsolved murder case is just because the person who was doing the murdering either was a cop or was like closely tied with them because people are not that good at killing other people like it's not something that like like this idea of like the genius serial killer is such bullshit like people just aren't that good at it Mm -hmm. so i think literally every unsolved case is just like a cop 
or but also like cops are not as smart as a lot of these true crime things would make you think like oh they compared this with like real science and it was a hundred percent correct like that's all bullshit it's (laughs) most of the time they don't do that and when they do it's not that accurate um like yeah they don't they don't bother doing all of these things but also like yeah like they i think most of the time it's that they don't bother because like cops aren't that smart but science has advanced to such a in such a way that like if you want to find out who did something you could probably find out like people don't know how much of themselves like they leave everywhere it's like when you use a computer people can track like every website you've ever visited like people leave so much evidence all the time that they're not aware of so i think the only reason you wouldn't be able to find out who committed a crime is because you didn't really want to know or you're covering it up like i just think it's impossible that like we just don't know who's doing this mhm like in theory if they put all those resources into each murder i'm sure they could do it yeah like as far as I know, like more than 50% of murders go unsolved because they just like, they're not going to do that for each one. Yeah. They're not, they have better things to do, like sit around. It's not that they have better things to do. <laughs> they literally don't want to find out who did it because it was a cop for sure. <laughs> like I'm saying, like, it's all a cover up. And yeah. like, if your family isn't the police, like that sucks for you. Don't come for me. That's a you problem. <laughs> I'm just saying every unsolved yeah. case is because it's a police officer. No, but even even in areas that aren't like murders, I've cops just famously do not do anything at their jobs. Yeah. Nothing, nothing productive. Uh, this is this is not what this podcast is about. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. So in conclusion, that's why I don't watch true crime documentaries anymore. That's the tie-in. Mm-hmm. Um. Okay. So yeah, what do you what do you think about the <laughs> obsession with Jack the Ripper in the media? There's like a lot of movies about this guy. I don't know. I think it's again because people have this idea of like a genius serial killer and someone who's like so smart that they're doing these horrible things and just getting away with it. Mm-hmm. I think people find that fascinating. I think it is notable that he killed sex workers and that like 99% of these like film versions or book versions, whatever, do not see the women that he killed as people and don't actually care about them at all. Like they're yeah. just focused on him. And yeah. yeah and there was a lot in true crime anyway. Yeah, that's true. Um, there was also, there was a focus a lot of tying Jack the Ripper and other Victorian like murders into supernatural horror movies and other kind of like old-timey horror movies uh there's also there's a version of phantom of the opera from the 80s in which he's jack the ripper or something it's wild um Mm. yeah so i guess that was just something that they were like yeah i guess we could do this in theory (laughs) (laughs) it'd be cool (laughs) like history i don't know um yeah what do you think of the inclusion of Burke and Hare and the inclusion of both of those things because they did not happen at the same time or in the same city (laughs) um I don't know I think it's fun I think they're just trying to up the creepiness by including like real examples of people who murdered people Mm. I guess if we were being charitable could we perhaps be like look at the real horrors that have been that that have been done in the name of medical science in like reality it's not just dr jekyll in this fictional story like this 
and yeah, worse things right. happened. So is it like, is it like be aware of science? <laughs> I'm not sure that's exactly what they're saying. Don't um, let people become scientists because they're going to become murderers in the pursuit of. I mean, scientists famously life. famously have god complexes. Absolutely, <laughs> and therefore will try to create life or to make themselves into hot and mortal women or things like that and yeah it all goes downhill from there <laughs> i guess uh okay i don't know do you have any do you have any thoughts any more thoughts on this or will we move on move on okay so how is this movie bad <laughs> is it bad i feel like it was very long but other than that hmm. why do you think it was bad well it is literally about like an evil trans woman who kills people and it's yeah okay like they don't call her trans but she is <laughs> i mean i guess yeah and then it's also it's literally like there's the partic- particular scene where dr jekyll realizes that the cops are onto him as being jack the ripper but that they are looking for a man so he's like i guess i can be a woman while i'm committing these murders so it is literally a predatory man disguising himself as a woman to prey on vulnerable women (laughs) even like the scene goes on to like these two women who are coming out of a pub and one of them's like worried for the other one and then they're like oh no there's a shadow in there and they're like oh it's a woman it's fine i'm safe except she isn't like it's literally this trans misogynistic like fantasy that's true. Yeah. Okay. Uh, da, 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 da. Yes. Uh, while I was watching this, I was like, could we argue that it is actually the male version who initially starts killing people and justifying it in the name of science? So really, it's not her fault. And it's not that she, she's an evil trans woman who kills people, but it's actually him. But then I like, obviously, this doesn't actually work as a reading of the movie. It completely falls apart. It was just, I, this was what I was thinking and writing as I thought to try to salvage the movie but no it doesn't work first of all because i don't think of them as separate people i think definitely by the end of the movie they collapse into one and it's apparent that they're two aspects of the same person and also because even if that's the same sorry you can you can argue with me in a second even if that's the case um i feel like the main takeaway from the movie is that he is made into an evil murderer by this by initiating this female aspect of himself by being feminized but okay go ahead disagree with me no you're probably right i said yeah still still do it (laughs) oh i was just going i don't know i was just going to say that i guess he didn't start killing people until the elixir worked so i can't be like I can't be like, he started it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's true. I think you were onto something earlier when you said that it's not seen as like as bad or as monstrous when he does it and he like justifies it in the name of science versus yeah. when she does it and it's seen as more like emotional maybe. Yeah, because like the synopsis I was reading, like they call her an evil woman because and I assume it's because like she's killing these people, but like he's also killing people, but we never talk about him like he is evil. Like they both it seems like he he has a reason and that like justifies the murders, even though they're both doing the same thing. But for mm-hmm. some reason she's like a bad person for doing it and he's like he has to, which doesn't make sense. You're both killing people. Yeah. 
Um, and also, I feel like I haven't thought about it that much, but I feel like they were trying, really trying to push this idea that they were two different people. And then when, like at the ending, when they kind of, um, the line between them started blurring, that's why they died. Mm-hmm. Like, because they died as this like um, twisted amalgamation of both male and female, that's like when the line between them started blurring. So I yeah. feel like they're trying to push the idea that these were two different people. Well, I feel like there's also like in in them being a, a twisted sex, whatever, whatnot. Um, <laughs> I feel like there is also a horror of trans bodies and stuff in that as well. And yeah, like, yeah, the yeah. horror is that they are not one gender um yeah okay uh this isn't exactly that it's bad because of this but relatedly i thought it was interesting i mentioned that in the novella there's a focus on hyde's hands and there's also a focus here on hands but it seems to be more on dr jekyll's so in in the initial transformation sequence it's kind of I guess I'll go into this more later, but she's very happy to exist and to be a woman. And then when her hand suddenly turns into Dr. Jekyll's hand, it becomes this moment of horror. Um, Mm -hmm. uh, So it's kind of flipped instead of uh, Mr. Hyde's hands being the source of horror here, it's Dr. Jekyll's. But in each case, you can see it as this masculine fear, this like very masculine hand that is freaking her out um but i thought it was interesting we could kind of see that as this like transphobic or this dysphoric focus on like these towels like oh you can tell by her hands things like that yeah definitely oh yeah then also back to the initial transformation uh, so she she's transformed she's immediately topless because this is a hammer movie in the 70s there's better be <laughs> topless women and she also starts like feeling her boobs and checking herself out which on the one hand i feel like is true to, to life but also i feel like people like would it does fit into this like auto genophilia thing as well like oh she's Mm -hmm. like turned on by being a woman and that's evil I guess as if that's not normal (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah I don't know that's that's all I have to say I mean it's pretty straightforward it's bad because she's a trans killer and there are famously a lot of those in movies I don't know if you've heard (laughs) (laughs) also that scene where she's like topless um, looking at herself in the mirror, and then Howard walks in. Mm-hmm. That was so, I guess, in my mind, like, during that time, it's like Victorian era, right? Are you allowed to see naked women? Like, I thought that would have been a bit, like, a bigger deal that he walked in on her topless, but he's like, oh, sorry, and then leaves, and then it's fine. <laughs> well, I guess, like, it wouldn't be normal for high class women to be topless because even like under the dresses they'd have a corset and then they'd have like that thing under the corset and like a lot of Mm -hmm. layers and so being undressed would still be being dressed for them they would very rarely get out of all of their clothes um but also i don't think the victorians were quite as prudish as we like to imagine like they definitely had sex and got naked and they (laughs) they got nipple piercings they did i was about to mention yes read a lot about Victorian nipple piercings. And Howard seems like a very modern, free-thinking man who's definitely, <laughs> who's definitely seen women topless before. So, uh-huh. I don't know. 
Okay. <laughs> Did you have anything else to say? Or will we go into why this movie is good? No, why is it good? Okay. Why is it good? I think it's a lot of fun. And I, it's not, okay. This is not the only movie about trans killers that I actually really enjoy. So I also, I also really like Sleepaway Camp, for example, which is like all about, so the twist of Sleepaway Camp is that she's actually trans. Um, but yeah, she's like murdering people. That's the whole movie. It's a slasher movie. She's just killing people in a, at a sleepaway camp. But to me, it is a her- heroic and inspiring <laughs> movie because all the people she kills are like jerks, and I really sympathize with her. And I'm like, yeah, you should kill those people. Good for yeah. her. Um, I can't <laughs> say this so much for this movie, unfortunately. Like, I'd love to be like she did nothing wrong, and she should just if she needs to kill people for her journey of self-realization, that's fine. But unfortunately, I can't because she does like go after vulnerable people and sex workers and people who should be her allies. Yeah, yeah. But I don't know. Just to say that I am an, an immoral person, and a movie having trans killers doesn't necessarily stop me from enjoying it. I also like homo- homicidal, which is like this psycho ripoff, which is weirdly like it's like transphobic towards trans women and trans men at the same time. So it's it's amazing. It's a fun. Well, time. at least they're consistent, you know. <laughs> yes. Oh, this is like the same person, though. <laughs> to be clear. <laughs> just watch the movie it's a it's a great time uh yeah I don't know I think it does as a reading of a closeted trans person it kind of really works from uh, from my perspective I think you can definitely see like Dr. Jekyll trying to be a man and trying to cling onto this idea that he, he should be a man while also like not being one and having this other part that's like I'm a woman and then she's there's a there's a line where she's like it is I who exists Dr. Jekyll not you it is I who will be rid of you and it's like yes that's so empowering good for her you can win (laughs) (laughs) love that yeah and just like how much she enjoys her existence and like she's she's like always having a good time like it's Dr. Jekyll's fault that there's a fight at all because if he just like let her live she's I don't know she's buying like beautiful dresses she's like having sex with people she's I don't know having fun she's just so happy to be alive and to exist and to be a woman to go back to that original transformation scene like even though it's supposed to be a a moment of horror to me like when I was watching it the real moment of horror came when she started transforming back into Dr. Jekyll yeah like the initial I don't know if it was even meant to be a moment of horror because like her reaction was just like it's something I noticed like her reaction to looking at herself in the mirror was just so euphoric exactly yeah yeah that's exactly the word I would use I'd say it's meant to be a moment of horror because of how the movie was marketed mainly I think there was a tagline that was like a man will change into a woman before your very eyes shock (laughs) after shock after shock no the 70s (laughs) yeah I guess relatedly I wanted to shout out a review on Letterboxd this is by someone whose Letterboxd user is Trans Feminine Frankenstein I believe her real name is Carmilla Morell and she talks about how the movie really resonated with her as a trans woman and how 
yeah, I guess struggling with the feelings this movie incites versus the knowledge that it was kind of accidental and that it wasn't like their intention to make this empowering trans movie and it was kind of <laughs> the opposite. Uh, and then like seeing herself in how Hyde first realizes herself and the horror of being turned back into Jekyll and the need to remain herself and reassert her existence. Also, uh, something about the life-saving quality of female hormones, which is interesting. Mm. I don't know. So, yeah. Good movie. Fun times. So, Anything else to add on this? Um, Not really. Okay, let me just say some final thoughts then, I guess. Oh, yeah. Uh, I wanted to mention that I don't think Dr. Jekyll, even if, if we take him as this man who is separate from Mrs. Hyde, I don't think he was into women. Like they do, no, he fully wasn't. He they do a really bad job of convincing (laughs) women. They like imply he's gay so many times before he even like starts collapsing into Mrs. Hyde, and then he like shows no interest in Susan, Susie, whatever her name is, and he only starts trying to start a relationship with him to reassert his like maleness towards the end. Just yeah, like, even before the first time, like, Howard goes down and finds um, Mrs. Hyde, he's like, I'm pretty sure Dr. Jekyll's not interested in women. Like, that's what he tells his sister mm. to be like, you should probably, like, move on from this guy. Like, I don't even think he likes women. It's like, and they never, that never actually gets refuted because the only reason he changes his mind on that is because he sees mrs hyde so like that kind of has nothing to do with dr jekyll yeah although even then like there's a moment later where he's talking to howard and mrs hyde like peeks out and she's like trying to talk to him through him yes. and is like stroking his hand and he's like oh god um so yeah. i guess i guess his fears were never refuted um da, 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 da. i don't think i have anything else to say do you have any final thoughts um no, I don't think so. Anyway, in conclusion, if she had killed some other people, like maybe some guys, I would have supported her and she would have been a girl boss. If she had killed men, it would have been like even more of a tragic story that she died in the end. That's true. Oh, yeah. I wanted to mention something about that. Uh, so in the original story, I believe when Dr. Jekyll dies, they just find the corpse of Mr. Hyde, like he turns into Mr. Hyde upon death. So there's mm-hmm. a deviation from the story here in uh, where the, it's a mix of both of them rather than just one of them. And I wonder if we could read into this, like if he had turned into Mrs. Hyde, it would have been very clearly like this is her true self versus in this one where it's more twisted or unclear or maybe both of them are true selves which is also valid I guess. I also think um, maybe this version is like more monstrous because Mm -hmm. if he had just turned into Mrs. Hyde I guess it would have been like I don't know this is more the twisted amalgamation is like more of a monstrous figure which I guess in the like original uh Mr. Hyde would have been more of the monster you know Mm -hmm. than like a regular woman yeah okay so final thoughts would you recommend this movie why would you recommend this movie what would you recommend to go with this movie I would recommend this movie because I love science (laughs) um (laughs) 
if you like science you'll love this movie um i don't know what would you recommend to go with it uh maybe some of the other movies that i mentioned in which trans people kill people but it's like fun and good like sleepaway mm-hmm. camp or homicidal oh there's another one that i think i told you about not for the podcast what was it called it was like she man the story of an obsession or something <laughs> what? the story of fixation that's the one it's this exploitation movie from the 60s and it's about this guy allegedly who gets kidnapped and like blackmailed and then like it's like a force femme fantasy so this evil trans woman like forces this person to to take estrogen and to dress as a woman uh but then at the end of the movie it's very heartwarming and this person like falls in love with a lesbian who is also being kidnapped and blackmailed and sort of being turned straight but that's not important <laughs> and also like accepts this feminine version of themselves that they had all along and this evil trans woman obviously was just trying to bring that out and affirm that so it's a very heartwarming movie <laughs> time. there's loads of really cool bonko music going on the whole time as well i really enjoyed that one so any of those wild. any of those you could watch <laughs> cool yeah so thank you for listening if you like this podcast, you can go to our Patreon, patreon.com slash salmoncasey, and you can give us some money and gain access to bonus content. Uh, if you would like so- to see the show notes or the transcripts, that is all found at salmoncaseysmovieclub.wordpress.com. If you would like to send us an email with questions or death threats and telling me that I'm cancelled for liking She-Man, the story of a fixation, <laughs> you can do that at samandcaseysmovieclub at gmail.com. You can also find us on Twitter at samandcaseypod. I'm on Twitter at caseynosa. And I'm on Twitter at cosmicjellies. Finally, please rate and review us on iTunes. You can say whatever you want. We don't care. We just want the attention. Yeah, doesn't have to be nice. Yeah. So thank you for listening. Bye. Bye.